Hello everyone and welcome once again to Wednesday Night Live. I am Ron Crawford. I am the pastor of the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas. And it is uh, always a great honor to be able to reach out over this miracle of uh, the internet and live streaming to our Saints Network family throughout the world. We are very thankful today here in Dallas for the blessing of the Lord, but particularly the admonition from God today for all of us to gather to pray. Uh, we're praying tonight at 6 here in our sanctuary, and we are on a, a specific a specific invitation from God to believe him on behalf of some of the things that he has promised regarding the place where we have stood for many many years this location here this property which is um, situated wonderfully well here in this major city but beyond that there are spiritual significances to where we are just as there are to where you are you know the Bible speaks about how God created this earth as a um, as a showcase of his glory and it was carefully meticulously um, laid out by him he desired for you and for me, mankind, to partner with him in this wonderful creation. The Bible speaks about there being deposits of the glory, the glory of God, opportunities to reveal wonderful things that he has reserved and to represent God in those debuts, as it were. Uh, G Satan made this a part of his temptation of Christ in the wilderness where he showed Jesus all of the nations, the locations and the glory within them and I think we cannot take that lightly I think also that when you recognize that Christ came and he died on a cross, a chosen implement by God of all the ways that Jesus could have been sacrificed for you and for me and for the purpose of God. God chose the cross and that word is formed from a stow, a stake of ownership and histeme. So the Lord as we go to the Father and we are commissioned for where we're to be located and what we're to be doing, we're to take up our cross, our stake of ownership, that we can plant it wherever he has called us to stand. And subsequently then, we are laying claim to whatever that histemi entails. Christ has paid the price for it. Now you study this word throughout the New Testament 
And you find, for instance, when Philip was directed by the Holy Spirit to go into that location and to encounter um, to encounter Simon, who was a sorcerer, who sourced from something. The Bible says that he was drawing from histeme points. And because of that, he was working miracles and people were calling him the great power of God. And when Philip came and began to preach the cross, suddenly those vital locations were redeemed for the purpose of the kingdom. Simon's power was shut off and Philip was able to present the kingdom of God. Subsequently then Peter and John came down and God did a wonderful, wonderful work in that, in that region. These are all parts of the New Testament. They may not be in your Schofield translation or your, you know, your Dakes Bible, and I bless any, but our word, the Word of God is under such attack today, I, I embrace <laughs> the Word of God, whoever has put it in your hands. But just on surface, you won't read those things, but it is there. And so the cross makes a way for us to come to the place where the Father has directed us to go. And the Bible says that if you don't take up your cross, you're not going to really be able to function for the Father. Um, we, we, are, we are blessed then to come to the place of our terio, or the territory where Jesus stands with us. And you also then recognize that not only will you be um, enjoying whatever God has deposited, whatever prospect God has put on the earth, but you're called to be a pillar, a stelos, for the temple of our God, to be able to represent the kingdom of God to come and God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And a stylos, those of you who had stylus pens or you used a stylus for your uh, your old uh, turntable, you know that that draws from something to present something. That's what a pillar is. It's not load-bearing in the New Testament. It is a conduit, which would also then represent what the Old Testament speaks about regarding the canna, the the uh, the reed the jealousy of God so that we can see what God wants done to be done all of those things and others are expanded teachings that we have enjoyed together over the years from the Word of God not from some crazy mythology not from some Gnostic viewpoint this is from the Word of God and so we we believe this we know this the the uh, the agreement of scripture testifies to it it's not out of context it is it is the full counsel of god or perhaps not the full counsel i don't know that anybody will ever be able to know the full counsel of god but as he has directed us we've seen no contradiction from the word we've seen that this is what God has ordained. So, we come to 
what the Lord has put before us today, and, and I know this is for the Father's Church in Dallas, but I would also believe that it is for all the encampments of the saints, wherever you may be serving God as an intercessor, as calling upon him, welcoming his kingdom to come. Um, there is There are ways that we have seen this manifested already, but that's the beauty of the Lord. You're faithful in the smaller things, and God brings greater demonstrations of it. It, it, it just keeps getting better. It keeps, ev- not evolving, but it keeps manifesting to different, to greater degrees or deeper degrees in the Lord. And so we, we know that prophetically, uh, God has said that this is a really unique moment. There, there is something that he is wanting to reveal some dimension of his light that has not been manifested before. It's in keeping with the scripture, but certainly we know these promises to be true. We know that they're based on scriptural principles, and but we also know that through many visions God has given, through many dreams God has given, through many prophetic understandings that God has given, that we've we've not even truly seen very much at all of of the greater things that God has promised he's going to do. And I believe that the Spirit has said that we need to begin to ask him based upon our recognition of his timing and his invitation we ask you know Jesus so many times in the gospels he would be in front of somebody with an obvious need and he would say can you believe or what is it that you want when to everybody around it would be obvious what this person might want or at least you know if you if you're blind or if you have leprosy, or if you're limping along, I, I think it's pretty obvious, hey, this you don't need to be Einstein to know that this guy or this woman wants this. Now, there are instances where, like with a woman, woman with the issue of blood, she did what she did, and the dunamis of the Lord flowed out from him, function and power flowed into her body, and she was made well, and, you know, he didn't ask, what do you want? She didn't say, oh Lord, touch me. But he said, according to your faith, according to what you've heard and what you've believed and what you've obeyed, you've come and clutched the hem of my garment. You've embraced my calling. You've embraced my intercessory um, identity. And you believed that. You asked for that. You obeyed that process. And as that was, so is it unto you. So there's always the element of asking. You you have not because you ask not. Now, the Bible warns us about asking amiss. Asking off target. Because we ask, in accordance with the scripture, according to our fears, according to our lusts, according to envies, according to things that have really nothing to do with the will of God and everything to do with our own perception of what we want. I, I've said this before. I remember as I grew up 
as a boy in the church there are many things that I asked God for and I'm really glad in retrospect he didn't give them why because they weren't based on anything that was really godly they were based on things that I wanted things that really were boyhood uh, crushes or ridiculous things that and you know young people they want things that two days later they don't want and and I'm grateful that I didn't I asked amiss and so so many times we think that prayer is um, is getting God to do what we want we we confuse the desires of our heart when the heart is really the the steering wheel the the focal point of who we are and through there we believe our treasures what we treasure most is what our heart should be and if our heart does not condemn us then we have confidence if if our heart doesn't have any doubt in it then we have confidence and it's not because you memorized enough scripture or you made your confession 50 different times or you appeared before some court it's that you are in alignment with exactly what God wants and sometimes what God wants is far different than what, than what we think he wants you know let that settle in even when it comes to things like conditions in our in our body or in our physical life where we gather up we cherry pick promises from the scripture and we go before the Lord and we make our case not recognizing that even though those scriptures are true in the context of where we are God's doing something different something better that we don't see at that moment and so we're trying to convince God by virtue of his word to do something that in his timing and in his overall plan is really not what he wants to do right then we're selling we're tempting to get him to sell short on the overall blessing so we come to this day and our congregation is gathering and because we believe God has said it's time for something new you have not because you ask not and we're coming to ask God on con on the basis of what he has promised what we've believed what we've been functioning in but on behalf of what in his timetable he wants to do before God does anything he searches for an intercessor everything begins with a voice in God and so he chooses before he does something to speak to his friends the prophetic friends who are close to him who hear him in the still small voice and he allows us the privilege of partnering by portraying what he is hid the voice so we ask but it's in his timing according to his will and I believe we're at a crucial juncture right now so we're coming to ask and I believe that as a result of this in this 10th month we're going to open some aspects 
of our identity in God, of this place and of the places where God has planted us, they're going to be opened because we're asking, because God has commissioned us to ask in his timing. And we're going to begin to see some things in the natural that have been seen and believed in righteous vision. This is all such a wonderful thing, and it's part of the um, the tapestry of partnership with God. And people always want things to be very simplistic. Well, this is simple. This is very simple. You just keep doing what you're supposed to do. You listen to what the voice of the Spirit may be saying, and you do what He says. Now, yes, you learn a lot of things. You learn intricacies and you discover things that the Spirit of Truth guides you into and those become a, a part of your... You sow that word in your heart. It becomes a part of who you are. And that you think about the simple things that you have in your life and you, you delve more deeply into them and you recognize, yeah, this is simple now. But this simplicity came because we walked, climbed this mountain together. Because we had this bevy of experiences together with God. And that, that, uh, that weave of, of partnership and experience brought us to this simple place. So, no matter how simple things are, it's those simplicities are based upon the intricacies of God and his ways are past finding out uh, throughout eternity we're going to continue to enjoy understandings that are phenomenal that right now we don't know but yet they're all part of God and they they don't contradict one another that's the beauty of the things of the spirit no matter how much we learn in the Bible there's never a measure of contradiction. It's just line upon line. Precept upon precept of, of partnership. So with all that being said, we welcome you to pray with us um, on behalf of where God has you. As, as if you're a saint, this is a clarion call that something new is about to be birthed out of the place of your obedience. And I don't know what all that will entail. Don't get ahead of God. Just focus on what's right in front of you. That's the walk of faith. That's why it's not the, the, the sprint of faith. And people speak about the leap of faith, but you really don't find that in the Scripture. That step may seem like a leap but it's still a step so the beauty of learn how to walk is you do one step at a time and that is a very simple thing if we pay attention to those steps so of all the passages we could look at today I felt the Lord guiding us to the book of Luke chapter 1 and it is in regard to the meeting of the angel Gabriel 
with the priest Zacharias. This is a well-known passage to all of us. But I believe that, as is always the case with the scriptures, they are the living word of God, and there's always something new that God wants to share uh, on in the midst of what we've already been privileged to understand. So, Gabriel, whose name comes from the Hebrew Gabor, which is mighty man, uh, and I think it's very interesting that, as we've said on many occasions, this angel, the one who is the mighty man of Elohim, um, he has the privilege of appearing to Zacharias and throughout the throughout the the nativity narrative. And why is that significant? Not just because Gabriel is at the right hand of God; he he's the messenger. But the our enemy detested the idea of you and me knowing Elohim, the heart of God, the, the, the spirit, the wonderful love of God, and becoming mighty ones. He was intimidated by that. So he rebelled against it. He, he attempted to kill it from the beginning. So here is an angel who is prominently a part of what God does at the throne, who was willing to accept openly obediently God's plan was not intimidated by it and here is given the opportunity to come and to speak to the parents of John and throughout the the message of the coming of Jesus and the preservation of the young child the the way that God was going to fulfill the promise to mighty men in our day, the, the perfect fulfillment was through the coming of Jesus. And so to have the privilege of being able to proclaim that is not only indicative of being a messenger from the throne, but is a testament that there are holy angels, righteous angels, who did not participate in the plan of rebellion. And so, Gabriel being here is an amazing thing. Point one, that's done. Let's look at this man, Zecharias. He was an old guy. Uh, well, well, well worn by years. And his name means either remembered of Jehovah or the plan of God or the plan of God remembers never forgets either way it works and both ways are functioning here it says that Zecharias uh, was a priest and he had the privilege here in Luke 1 of burning incense before God now, there's a lot we could say about this priestly function, but let's just function our, uh, let's just focus on what incense is. 
Incense is, according to the New Testament and Old Testament, indicative with the prayers of the saints. There were specific regulations as to what this incense should be and how what the what the recipe of it was and in that as we have taught and written a, a, a book on and shared throughout the world this should be what our prayers are what these ingredients represent there are four of them uh, I remember once many years ago there was a man in our church who's since gone on to his eternal reward but he was always doing things that were very intelligent man but he was always doing things that were kind of it made everybody else look and just kind of think oh here he's at it again you know so one time he he had gone to the Middle East and he he'd come back and he had brought incense frankincense he brought and it was around Christmas time so he thought we could use the sale of this frankincense from the Middle East uh, for some kind of a fundraiser for Christmas and then people would have it in their homes since frankincense was one of the gifts of the Magi so I said okay you can you can announce this this was this was before we this is while we were still in the general church so those kinds of goofy things went on all the time some new thing you could do to enthrall the congregation so this guy gets up and he he starts talking about this and so he decides he's going to light this incense from the pulpit well the problem is that he used way too much of this incense and it ignited like a volcano and smoke was everywhere in the sanctuary I mean not just not just a mist I mean smoke and it was fragrant and what do you do do you have a fire extinguisher you can blast the pulpit with I mean it he's he's got this going on and he just keeps talking and this this smoke is moving through the sanctuary and I'm watching people and they're covering their face with Kleenexes and hankies and <laughs> waving their hand in front of their face <laughs> oh my goodness it was so funny it wasn't at the time but it kind of was so he carries whatever he had this incense housed in off the platform and it's just trailing this smoke and when I got up to the pulpit I just stood there and I think I said something about I put my hand up to my eyes like you would shield your face from the sun and I said are you all still out there and at that point because it was just like a fog bank everybody started laughing and it was funny it, it was funny I don't think we sold any of that. I, I wasn't selling it. I mean, this was this was a true Dr. Baker uh, classic. But, you know, the point, though, is that people have, 
kind of a weird idea of what incense is and you know I remember when I was a kid and there was this place called Spencer Gifts in the mall you could go in to the mall and go into this store and they had kind of you know um, trick uh, gizmos that you could buy like flowers of squirted water and you had neon lights and you, you had lots of funny things and any kid I think that grew up in the 70s you know what Spencer Gifts was and so but you walked in there and and it, it was just you it radiated with incense I mean that was a hippie thing you know and so incense you know they say was to mask odors because people back then didn't have deodorant and you know they didn't take a shower every day and they had animals all around them and sometimes living in the same house with them because they didn't want them stolen and so they would light incense to mask the smell well that's probably true but divine incense was not for that purpose it it was meticulously ordered by God and there were four elements you can study this further for yourself I'm just going to quickly touch on them because this is essential just to know that this spoke about the purpose of God and being an intercessor so Gabriel's there coming to Zechariah whose name means Jehovah remembers and uh, the plan of God remembers it's intent on doing what has been promised in his timetable in his eternal plan and this guy this priest is burning incense so the first ingredient stacte otherwise known as the balm of Gilead it would just ooze out it was without piercing you know you didn't pierce the plant and draw it out like maple syrup it, it really was indicative of the burden something that you chose to do when you're in prayer the, the, your spirit would emanate what God wants galbanum was the second and it you broke the plant to get this so you had to be broken third onica was from the perfume crab it was red in color it symbolized the miracle power of God where there seemed to be no way children of Israel crossed through the Red Sea and um, God split the waters and delivered so there's the miraculous and all three of those were added into frankincense and this was a white element it had fi uh, flowers five white petaled flowers it was through an incision and it would seep out through the night so this spoke about all three of those elements the burden being broken and believing for a miracle was added into this 24 7 type of of uh, measure and all of these the Bible says had to be contrite had to be broken down to a fine powder which is what God looks for it is what is essential for being caught up in the voices thunders lightnings earthquakes principle into the secret place of thunder so all of this has to do with intercession and it is this the the, the intercession of the saints which rises before God's nostrils out from that location beside the temple of the tabernacle of testimony in heaven read about it in 
the book of Revelation. Read about what David said, the prayers of the saints. It echoed in the book of Revelation, same thing. So this man who was old is burning this incense and he is typifying what God wants from his saints there in the temple. And Gabriel comes and stands at the right hand of that, Bible speaks about it, of that altar of incense, which would say, I'm representing what God covenanted with you at the right hand. And I'm also speaking about the ultimate fulfillment of my word that will result in the Son of God triumphing on the earth, fulfilling the will of the Father, and finally finding his place seated, his histeme, at the right hand of God. Got all that? The right hand also represents faith. In the Old Testament, faith, belief, was Ammon, which was right hand. So the right hand speaks about what God has promised. The left hand speaks about fulfillment. The right hand speaks about how God will speak something. He will promise something. You believe. You're empowered to embrace that. The church is largely left-handed. You know, the church is wanting things. They want them now. They want to bypass the gap between the sila between promise and fulfillment. They want to get there quicker and they want to do it on their timing and in their terms. But Gabriel was noting the fact that this man, whether Zechariah remembered it or not, Yahweh remembered, but this man had engaged in a point of covenant with God from the right hand. And Gabriel was there on behalf of those words. Perhaps we should read this passage. I know that all of you know it, but let's just read it. There's many other things to say, but let's just read it. So you got Luke 1, uh, beginning at verse 5. There were in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, certain priests named Zacharias, of the course of Abia, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth. Now Elizabeth meant the fulfillment, the perfect fulfillment of the ways of God, the ways of Elohim, Eli Sabah. And, you know, that that is wonderful. So you have the fulfillment of what God has said, and you have the plan of God remembers. Those two are the names of these people. They were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. They had no child because Elizabeth was barren, or seemed to be barren. They both were now well stricken in years. Well stricken in years. <laughs> That's such a great phrase. Those years, they just struck them. <laughs> Have you felt that way? <laughs> I don't know what happened. I looked in the mirror one day and man, I was well stricken in years. <laughs> oh, Jesus. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense 
when he went into the temple of the Lord, and the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. There appeared unto him on the, uh, the angel of the Lord, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. The angel said unto him, Fear not, Zechariah, for your prayer is heard. Your prayer is heard. As we've studied, when we've studied at length about supplication, this is deasis. It is a New Testament variation of supplication, and that is a partnership type of prayer. It's not begging and weeping and pleading with God. It's not, it's not prayer on steroids. You know, I pray and I even offer supplication. God didn't answer me. No, supplication is one of the seven spirits of God. It's linked with grace. And um, this is an indication of coming into agreement with God to see something done in grace that has not been done and you enlist so Gabriel says that that supplication was heard and Elizabeth will bear a son and will call his name John John comes from Johanna which is grace so supplication offered by Yahweh remembers and the fulfillment of what God has desired yields grace and this was from the angel whose name means mighty man wow how great that is you know we are the friends of the bridegroom as John was we're to prepare the way of the Lord as John did and our mission because of that is grace to for which we offer our partnership our supplication Zechariah and Elizabeth offered this supplication such a long time before that they forgot and it really irritated Gabriel you know, when Zechariah says, you know, how's this going to be? And Gabriel said, okay, because you don't believe, you're, you're going to be silent until this baby was, is born. Isn't that something? It, it's, it, we've laughed and joked about what that must have been like when Zechariah comes back home and he can't talk. And you know he's just saying something, and his poor wife, also well stricken in years, she probably thinking, "What happened to you? Did you have a stroke, or you have some kind of a aneurysm going on there? What's happened to you?" And then I won't go any further, but you know this wasn't the virgin birth. Uh, this was according to the course of mankind. So you think about that for yourself, but don't think on it too long. So, anyway, all this is going on, and Gabriel says, your supplication was heard. Now, we've talked about this before. These people are well stricken in years. How long ago do you think it was when Zacharias and Elizabeth offered supplication 
regarding a son. By the fact that they offered supplication, it probably, it, it undoubtedly means that God had promised that they would have a son and he would fulfill something mighty in the kingdom. And they agreed. And then years passed. Those years struck. Boom. 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 And the supplication agreement that they came into alignment with on behalf of what God was going to do seemed like it was either a misfire or it was long enough ago that they forgot or just gave up. I'm not faulting them. Who could fault them? I mean, it looked like that was just a a fool's vision. But for God, who is timeless, and for the angel, this supplication was in play. It was just waiting on the timing of God. And God's timing usually waits until it's in the miracle zone. And it usually means that When there's a supplication business, I'm not just talking about the everyday blessings of the Lord, which are glorious. God's provision. He takes care of us new every morning. But supplication, especially on this account, you might also add Abraham, the father of all who walk in faith, that vision, those promises, same kind of thing, where they were both ancient and here's a son which they called laughter no wonder so I ask you this do you think that we've only been at it as saints for a couple of decades we've seen incredible things we've we've been blessed to make partners according to God's directive around the world Um, we're reaching out we're being heard right now around the world and it's miraculous the way God did this it was bit by bit piece by piece but with that in mind we've preached the same message we've taught on this very thing asking people wherever you may be planted to believe God for a miracle to believe God to fulfill in your terio the whatever he intends to do in his systeme your voice your intercession is crucial to God as you welcome the kingdom to come and God's will to be done the miraculous things that we have seen concerning the time immediately ahead cities being touched light arising in the midst of darkness and gross darkness phenomenal healings that aren't uh, aren't due to any uh, machination of man 
You know, I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where Catherine Kuhlman was based during her heyday before she began her her television program and then had to do things out in L.A. But there in that Presbyterian church, I, I saw people line up to come in to believe for a miracle through her. I went to Oral Roberts' tent meetings with my parents, played in the sawdust there, saw a number of latter rain tent meetings come through and you know you want to see this guy or that woman because they have the goods and we've seen guys like Benny Hinn and others and we bless that God moves in many different ways but one of the things we're believing for is that out of the estemis where we're planted there are going to be phenomenal things like the pool of Bethesda where God just moves. What's God promised you? You know, there are so many promises that we have that are similar and they're all wonderful. But then there are some that we know are from God, not through our imagination, but from God that he's promised about where you are and what your specific calling is and what your your local measure and your terio of the Hestemi will, will be. Um, I believe that God's saying it's time for us to not beg and plead, but to ask and to believe. Oh, yeah, you may have forgotten. You may have given up. God hasn't. The point is that Zechariah was still there fulfilling his function. These were righteous people. These were godly people. And again, I, I'm sure it was a heartache for them that when they got really old, they thought, how in the world are we going to have a child? That's just normal, isn't it? I mean, that's just... Who would... Who would, at 85 or 90 years old, still be thinking, I'm going to have a baby? But God works in mysterious ways. He says to Sarah, Wherefore didst thou laugh? Abraham laughed too. But God says through Gabriel in verse 14, You shall have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. He will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine. He's giving the Nazarite vow. And um, he'll go before him in the, in the spirit and power of Elijah, the combination of El and Yah turning the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient of the wisdom to the just to make ready a people for the Lord. Now, joy and gladness, it's interesting because you've done these studies and you know that the oil of joy for gladness and focuses on this word that is also spoken about in rejoicing, the root of it. Um, when Jesus in the Beatitudes says when people 
uh, come against you for at the end of the Beatitudes come against you and try to launch evil rhema against you you rejoice exceedingly and we've talked about how that you leap and you spin uh, which at my age is a more uh, demanding thing than what it used to be but it speaks about your spirit entering into that chul measure uh, that circle of expression concerning the ways of God but there's something also in regard to this that from the, the Greek language, uh, the essence of this oil of joy, the same word, was that somebody could become so enthralled by a divine encounter that an oil from that would permeate every part of them and they would really, two things, be ignited as a, as a readied wick or just really to, to feel every part of your being um, permeated by that oil. So, yes, it meant to, to leap and spin, and, but, but the essence, the effect on you would be that you would just be touched in every part of your being. I think that's a wonderful thing, don't you? And so, you see all of these things here, not the least of which is that John, meaning grace, would be calling people to turn from the other nonsense they're doing and to come back to what God ordained for them to be in accordance with his ways. That's the essence of the saintly calling. And we, we recruit people who are willing to intercede in this way and many are called few choose the saints are a part of the new testament that is devoted to the hagias of god the holiness of god which is a passion for his original purpose and um it they're part of the general church but not everybody in the general church does that type of ministry but the saints are part of that, and they're they're essential to the work of of God. Problem is, is that in the general church, you don't. I pastored for many years. You don't want somebody who does unique things. You try to whip them into shape to to get back in line. But then again. Saints don't want people that are just weird for weird's sake. Because I've been around long enough to know that God has a peculiar people, but then there are some people that are peculiar and God's have nothing to do with it. And they blame it on God. I'm peculiar. Yeah, you are. But you're not peculiar in the way God is. So don't ask me to buy into your eccentricities because just because you're misquoting that scripture that's a different topic entirely but we are to call people to the father and we're to let people know that they were created to to partner with god in the spirit of supplication and to see miracles occur that are beyond what we would ask or think exceedingly beyond it 
because we're aligned with the eternal God and we are aligned with things that aren't just temporal, which is usually what Christians try to apply their faith to, but we're looking beyond according to what God is saying at the right hand of the throne. So all of that is right here. All of that is right here. And it is a gold mine of, of, um, of our message, of our identity, of what God wants from his people. So we're going to come together and pray tonight in conjunction with this same principle. And we're going to just thank God. How do you pray in conjunction with this? Well, first of all, thank Him that He remembers. Thank Him that you have been privileged to be able to walk with Him. Ask Him to apply any measure of forgiveness to the areas where you have ceased to believe. God forbid you've begun to doubt. But give him thanks and then ask him whatever it is that you want. As, as Mary said to Gabriel, let it be to me according to your word. According, kata, this has come from above. So let me align with it. Let this place, wherever you may be, align with what God is wanting to do at this time. Let this be according to what the word from the throne is wanting in this hour. Ask for things to be open. Ask for things to um, be uh, mobilized and ignited. Call those things that be not as though they are. Remind God. He already knows. But remind him of the things that he's shown you individually. The things that he has promised to us as his people. We know them. Let the Spirit call them to your remembrance. Speak them forth and thank him whether they're going to be done now or whether they're a year from now. Remind God of that. Remind ye me, Scripture, which is really you stir up your memory and you present it here. This is a wonderful blessing. It's so much fun. And it's, a, it's an honor to be a part of it. So we issue this invitation to the congregation here in Dallas, but to each of you, wherever you're planted, let's participate in this. I believe this is the timing of the Lord. I'm not going to get ahead of God and say, well, bless God, this is going to happen and this is going to happen. I'm just going to lay it out there and ask God to do what he wants to do. Because this is his timing. And this is what he's asking of us.
So Heavenly Father, I thank you for this privilege. I speak blessing over every person who's hearing this message, this word. And I ask you, Lord, that you would accomplish what it is that you want to do through this time of intercession in these days. Open the doors that the righteous nation may come in. Open and come into us. Activate the places that you've ordained to be activated now. Take us into the next stage, the next phase, the next demonstration of what you want to do. And we look forward to it. Let us be empowered to do our part in asking. The rest is up to you. Because it's your timing. It's your work. It's not my work. It's your work. So we speak this forward now, Father. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining. We look forward to seeing you at the throne of God. God bless you as you pray. Goodbye.